is in God's comforting presence. Please turn with me to Psalm chapter 23. Let's look at Psalm 23, verse 4. Psalm 23, verse 4. Of course, this is a psalm of David. It's one of the shortest psalms, but it's one of the most beautiful psalms, poetically. But look at what verse 4 says. This, in many ways, may describe you in the moment of difficulty and who you have to rely upon to get through a situation. It says in verse 4, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, if you visualize that, and the way I visualize that, it's like you're walking through the darkest area in your life. It might be a dark room. It might be there's no light coming from anywhere. And everything around you just speaks to either danger, insecurity, or fear. But now you're relying upon no one but God to get you through. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. His comforting presence is, quite frankly, what keeps many of us from going completely insane. Completely insane. Without Jesus... And his presence in those moments of difficulty, we might just go crazy. Faith is a necessary component of dealing with adversity. Amen? Faith is a necessary component of helping us deal with adversity. Now, even in these moments of difficulty, (coughs) pardon me, God has challenged us with words that often may ring hollow. He has challenged us to praise him. Yes, praise him. Now understand that the natural response to this is, no way, absolutely not. Ain't no way in the world I can praise Jesus when I'm going through the worst times in my life. Those are all quotes from me. Ain't no way in the world. Because that's how I talk. Well, there are three things that we need to remember as we utter these words or even think about them. Could you jot these down for me? Number one, God loves you. God loves you. Number two, Satan is a liar. Satan is a liar. Number three, things can and will get better because it is a promise from Jesus. So number one, God loves you. Number two, Satan is a liar. And number three, things can and will get better Because it's a promise from Jesus. 
And that's our starting point. That's what we're going to look at. Remember I said we have to get back to the basic tenets. Sometimes we forget these very true things in the midst of difficulty. God loves you. Satan's a liar. Things can and will get better because it's a promise from Jesus. Let's file these thoughts away for a moment as we explore the subject of praising God in the midst of or even in the aftermath of a storm. Because this is a necessary element. We do need to praise him. Now first, let's explore the concept of praise. The concept of praise. To praise someone requires a fair amount of effort and acknowledgement of one's goodness or kindness. It is not something that is done lightly. Amen? When you're praising someone, it's not something to be done lightly. It's like, oh man, you're cool, you know. Half-hearted effort. No, don't praise anybody like that. That's not praising somebody. That's blowing somebody off. Amen? (laughs) We're not blowing God off, amen? Okay. When we praise another person, as an example, it comes with the understanding that the person that you're praising has a track record of activity that warrants positive recognition. When you're praising someone, usually it's something that someone has done and they've had a track record over time. This person is worthy of recognition. Well, this certainly applies to our approach to God and his character. Amen? God and his character. It also applies to the believer in Jesus Christ in that praise is a willful act and it is inherent in the will of God that he receives our praise. You know, it's God's will for you to praise him. Amen? Did you know that? So it's not something you just blow off. If you really want to be in his will, you remember and think to praise him. Even when things really suck. And you've been there. Things have sucked. And we have to remember to praise him even in the midst of those times. So what exactly is praise? I'm going to ask you once again to write these terms down. What exactly is praise? Good question. First of all, it's prayerful. Prayerful. It's reverence, reverence, R-E-V-E-R-E-N-C-E, reverence, ascribing, A-S-C-R-I-B-I-N-G, ascribing, inherent, inherent, spiritual, Spiritual, exaltation, E-X-U-L-T-A-T-I-O-N. Prayerful reverence, ascribing, inherent, spiritual exaltation. Now, if you're paying attention, you might see 
that I just gave you praise written out with words to describe it. P-R-A-I-S-E. Prayerful reverence ascribing inherent spiritual exaltation. Now let's talk about this. Prayerful. Prayerful means it's a faithful expression. You're expressing yourself. You're describing how you're feeling. And understand something. You may not feel the best, but you still recognize who you're praising. Faithful expression. Reverence means you're having admiration, respect, devotion for God. You love Him. You want to worship Him. That's the reverence aspect of it. Treating God the way He deserves to be treated. He's not your buddy. He's not your pal. Amen? Ascribing means you're bestowing or giving or presenting your best. You're assigning it to Him. You're ascribing it to Him. Inherent means it's coming from the heart. It's heartfelt. It's instinctive. It's a basic response. It's coming directly from you. It's coming from your inside. Spiritual. Well, it's otherworldly. It's not a worldly praise. It's a godly praise. And finally, exaltation is a celebration. It's a reveling. It's a rejoicing. All those words, if you put them together, that's what praise really is. Amen? Make sense so far? So when we're talking about praise, that's what it is. And sometimes, it's really interesting, I'm a big on definitions. I'm big on words. I want to make sure that you understand when people are up praising the Lord, for example, when we're singing here, or when music's being played, what is really involved in that process? It's giving him the glory. It's recognizing who he is in your life. It's not a small thing. It's a big thing. So to summarize, praise is a prayerful, deep expression of reverence and gratitude to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what praise is. Jesus gave us this example of praise in the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, in Luke 11.2. Let's go to Luke chapter 11 and take a look at verses 1 and 2. Luke 11 Verses 1 and 2. One of the things we mentioned this morning, too, we have scripture to give us guidelines on how Jesus wants us to react or respond when we see things. He gives us this information for our benefit. There's nothing random going on in Scripture. Amen? There's a purpose for everything that's written. 
And while everything that Jesus did was not accounted for in Scripture, because we know that at the end of the book of John, we have just enough to know and understand what it is to pray. Amen? We know what it is to pray. We know how to pray. He gives us information. It says here in verse 1, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. John meaning John the Baptist. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. That's the starting point. You're giving recognition to who God is. This entire act of praise has to begin with an appreciation of who Jesus Christ is in your life. In both good times and bad. Amen? Y'all with me on that? In good times and bad. Until this happens, unless you're praising him in good times and in bad, your life will be stuck. Your life will be stuck. It's like being stuck in the mud and your wheels are always spinning. Stuck in the mud, wheels always spinning. You give it gas, nothing happens. No grip, no traction, nothing moving forward, sometimes teetering backward. Most of you know what it's like to get your car stuck. It may not be the mud. Well, if you're down south, it's probably the mud. Around here, it's the snow. It's a feeling of helplessness. Amen? It's a helpless feeling. A feeling that can only be addressed when you learn to trust Jesus Christ. Your helplessness has to be addressed by trusting Jesus Christ. Even when you don't understand what is going on, trust Him anyway. Trust Him. Now, learning to trust Jesus takes effort. Amen? It takes effort. It's not just going to happen by accident. It takes effort. It takes a little work. Jesus is always present, though. He's always there in your good times and during those storms of your life. He is our teacher. He wants to teach us. He wants you, he wants us to live each moment with him. Live each moment with him. He wants you to seek after him. He wants you to trust him. Amen? He wants you to trust him. And Jesus doesn't even ask for you to trust a lot. Amen? He just wants you to trust him a little. A little bit. Some of us, all we got is a little bit. Oh, Lord, Jesus, help me. Well, that's a little, but that's a good starting point. 
a 25-pound bag of kitty litter or sand in the right place where you're spinning your wheels can move a 2,500-pound car. Amen? A little 25-pound bag of kitty litter can move a 2,500-pound car. Trust him in the small things. And he can show you big things. Now this isn't a motivational speech. I'm only speaking fact. How many of you know how God, if you trust him a little bit, he does big things in your life? Amen? He has a track record. He has a track record in your life. Remember what we got through saying? Praising someone means usually there's a track record behind it. God's character shows that he is in this with you. You're not alone. Give him a place in your heart and he will affirm you tenfold. A hundredfold. It starts with faith. It starts with you. Your faith is a result of the understanding of God's love for you. He loves you. Remember point number one? God loves you. Love is an attribute of God. It's in his character to love you because you are his cherished creation. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. First John 4, verse 8. Here's a hard, cold fact. And I love John's passages in the New Testament. Anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. So what's important here? Knowing God. If you don't know God, you question everything. You might be an agnostic. You might be an atheist. Knowing God is really important. In order for you to see God's true love, you have to know him. Our ability to give Jesus praise is rooted in the understanding of his loving attributes. They represent his character. What else is part of Jesus' character? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. <coughs> Excuse me. It's very important that we understand God's character. He has a track record with us. Amen? He's demonstrated these things to us. He shares these things with us so that we know how to live our life before others in a Christ-like manner so that they can see images of Jesus' love in your life. And wouldn't you want that? You wouldn't want to be going around living the opposite way of what I'm about to read here. 
Oh, man, what a crappy dude or chick that is. I don't ever want to be around that person. Well, that's not you, is it? Amen? You're more like the person I'm going to read about right here. It says in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. And I love this part of the passage. Love never ends. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Love never ends. You want to diffuse an argument? Show some love. You want to stop a conflict? Love the other person. Love. This is all part of God's character. That's what he wants us to remember when we're going through difficult times. It's his character. His love, thankfully, is an eternal love. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loved the world. He loves the world. He wants every person to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what he desires. That's love. That's love. That's his character. Jesus is a God, not a God of the dead, but a God of the living. Amen? A God of the living. We don't worship an idol. We don't worship a statue. It's a living God. Romans 5.8 But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you understand that? We're sinners. He loves us anyway. He can't look upon sin. He loves us anyway. He loves us in spite of ourselves. Those alone are reasons that he's worthy of our praise. You see what I mean by getting back to the basics? Even when things aren't so great, we have to remind ourselves that we are blessed beyond measure. We are blessed beyond measure. We have everything in Jesus. And Jesus demonstrates this love to us. Now, it requires our obedience to God in following his word. <clears throat> John fourteen thirty one a says, But I, speak Jesus speaking, do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. You do what the Word says because you love Him and love the Word. That's how we operate. That's how we operate as a church. That's how we operate as individuals. If you love Him, you love the Word, you strive to be obedient to the Word. Now notice I said strive to be obedient. Amen? We strive to be obedient because we have to sometimes work at this 
thing called obedience. That doesn't change his character. That's about our character. His word reminds us of what's right and what's wrong. And it does so in a very gentle way, if you really think about it. Suffice it to say that God loves you. He is not a fair-weather God. You ever hear of fair-weather fans? If they're winning, man, I'm behind you. If they're losing, oh, man, they suck. I'm not rooting for them. Well, that's not a way of be. Does God treat you like that? Man, you're having a hard time. Oh, well, it sucks to be you. God doesn't do that to you. He is not a fair-weather God. He treats you the same all the way around. Good times and bad. You see how we do. Thank the Lord he ain't like that. While we can be fair-weather fans of God, when everything's going right, everything's cool, everything's not going right, man, why are you doing this to me? He wants us to go deeper. He wants us to go deeper than that. He doesn't want this peripheral relationship thing going on. He wants us to go deeper. He challenges us to seek after him in the midst of the storm and praise him anyway. Go deeper. You've been living all your life talking about you know the Lord. Why do you get tripped up? So easily. What are you forgetting that you've been taught? When a storm approaches, draw nearer to Jesus. Amen? When a storm approaches, draw nearer to Jesus. When you're boarding up the, the windows and shutting stuff up, you know a storm is coming. There's a tornado warning out there. You're getting ready. And you know what? You're praying, aren't you? Funnel clouds sighted in the area. You hear the tornado sirens going off. Now, this is all emotional stuff. I'm describing it physically, but emotionally, you've got bells going off in your head. When a storm approaches, draw nearer to Jesus. When the storm hits, lean on it. Lean on it. Remember that song, Lean On Me, by Bill Withers? Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. That's Jesus talking to y'all. Lean on him. In the middle of a storm, lean on him. That's what he wants. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. You're not going through anything by yourself. You might feel like you're going through stuff by yourself, but you're not alone. Go to Joshua 1 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Moses essentially handed the keys over the ministry to Joshua. And here's Joshua, a young man who was learning under Moses. 
and studied under him and was very faithful. He learned what it was to be faithful. To me, he even surpassed Moses as far as being faithful. That's just my opinion. But he was a great study. He looked at what was going on. And the Lord had a, a great relationship with Joshua. <coughs> Excuse me. So it says here in Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed. Now why do you think he's saying these words to Joshua? It was a frightening thing to take over. It was a frightening thing to lead the people. Remember those stiff-necked people. Those jive turkey people. This motley crew bunch of folks. Don't be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. We're talking about real human beings. Real human beings do get scared. Real human beings experience trepidation. Real human beings have fear. Now, we know where that fear comes from because Satan does not want us to experience anything calm or pleasant in these situations. That's why God has to remind us, don't be frightened, don't be fearful, don't be dismayed, don't get down on yourself. Don't allow yourself to be carried away without looking at me. He's with you wherever you go. You're not alone. You're not alone. He reassures us that he is always there. And why not? He loves you. Someone who loves you is not going to leave you. Someone who loves you is going to be with you. Someone who loves you is going to be right at your hip. He's always there. He tells us this in his word all the time. Remember it. Next, remember we said point number two? Satan's a liar. He's a liar. Satan is a liar. He aims to dampen your enthusiasm for Jesus Christ. That's what he does. That's what he ultimately does. He wants to dampen your enthusiasm for Jesus Christ. He wants you to find every reason not to praise God. Go to John 8.44. Just as much as we need to know the character of God, we need to know the character of Satan, the devil, the main opposition. And remember, it's not just Satan. Satan has folks working for him. Amen? There are agents of Satan all over the place. So we can talk about Satan and understand his character, but we also understand that there are folks that fall right in line with that. Especially since we're living in, guess what, Satan's domain. That's what we experience. 
John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of what? His own character. There's the evidence right there that you need to understand. He lies because that's his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, we know his character. We know he lies all the time. He deceives. He can trick you too, if you let him. Our faith in Jesus overcomes Satan's deception and our fears. Our faith is what propels us past what Satan puts in front of us. Amen? Just check and make sure you understand that. Our faith has to do that. Without faith, guess what? You're wallowing around stuck in the mud. Satan wants you to look at the worst case scenarios of life. What's going to happen now? What's going on over here? Oh my goodness. That's what he wants you to dwell on. The worst case scenarios. Here's a fact. Write this down. Satan is only as powerful as we allow him to be. Amen? Satan is only as powerful as we allow him to be. You do have control. Faith is required in this control, but you do have control. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you submit to God, Satan ain't got nowhere to go but out the door. He's got to go. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's a promise from Scripture. Submitting yourself to God requires what? A humble heart and faith. It's a requirement. We can praise Jesus even in the midst of a storm because we realize that we still have the victory over Satan. And Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy you. He's not playing around with you. You know what a a cat does when they're chasing a mouse? Sometimes the mouse, you know, the mouse is is a goner anyway, right? What will a cat do? Just beat around you with a paw, just snack it around. And then, and that's it. It plays around with it. I got you. You're not getting away, Mr. Mouse. Satan doesn't have to do that to you. He just wants you just gone, destroyed. 
you have to understand that that's his goal. He's not just playing around. So don't play around with him, amen? Don't play around with him. And I'm, I'm making light of it, but you know I'm dead serious. Dead serious. Nothing to play around with. He wants to destroy you, but we have the full armor of God's protection. Praise the Lord. The full armor of God. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. He's a schemer. He's a liar. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are at war. We are at war. We are in the midst of spiritual warfare. As long as you understand that, Satan's not going to catch you off guard. Now let's face it. Anyone can praise Jesus when times are good. Amen? When times are good, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Times is so good. Anyone can do that. That doesn't take any effort. The Lord is blessing me right now. Mm-hmm. Your true praise comes from living and learning through adversity. Your true praise comes from living and learning through adversity. If you ain't been through nothing, you don't know nothing. Your true praise comes with the knowledge that you have an enemy who wants to destroy you. You know what you're up against. Your true praise comes when you survive the storm and all that you can do is get on the floor and on your knees and say, Thank you, Jesus. You got through it. That's your true praise. Until the storm passes, we are reminded that things do get better. Things get better. Go to Isaiah 41, please. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Things do get better. Now, we had to put the word better in perspective, but things do get better. <clears throat> Isaiah 41.10 Now, this is a prayer, honestly, when you're going through a tough time. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, For I am your God. I will strengthen you. 
I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, note that these are all promises to help you, encourage you, and strengthen you. I just read them. They're all promises. These are all promises of God when you're going through tough stuff. They are all based upon the present. First of all, fear not, I'm with you. That's the present tense. Fear not, don't be afraid, I'm right there with you. And also to help you in the future. I'll strengthen you, I'll help you, I'll uphold you. Takes care of the present and the future. Things are going to get better. Get better. He wants you to exercise your faith going through the storm. Have faith going through the storm. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Casting all your anxieties, all of your fears, all of your struggles, all the difficulty you're experiencing, cast them on him right then and there. He cares for you. He will take them on. Trust me when I tell you, you can't give God too much. You can give him too little. You can hold stuff back, but you can't give him too much. I think he can handle it. Amen? I think he can handle it. Just a thought. Just occurs to me. I think he can handle it. He also wants you to praise him in the midst of the storm because he wants you to see His eternal purpose. His eternal purpose. Things are going to get better. He wants you to see things from an eternal perspective. Romans 8.18 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You think you're going through stuff now. Yeah, it's not too good, but there's a better thing coming. There's something to look forward to. Praise the Lord. Go to 2 Corinthians 4, 8. Second Corinthians 4, 8. This is what we need to be thinking about from time to time. Probably not every moment, but we should be thinking about the fact that God has an eternal purpose for us. You were created to live forever. Amen? Did you know that? Did you know you were created to be an eternal being? Did you know that? Did you know that God created you to live forever? You are an eternal being. There is an eternal purpose in your very existence. 
you already are going to live forever. Did you know that? Now, where you live forever... That's important. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.8. I just want you to think about this from an eternal purpose. In the midst of a storm, sometimes we, we do think about it, but sometimes it's put upon us to think about it. But it says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. When a tornado hits in a neighborhood, there are places that have tornado damage. We see that. It's transient. The nice thing is that we can always rebuild it. Unseen things are completely different. The things that we can't see require what? Faith. Faith. Eternal. Things will get better. Things will get better. Praise the Lord. There is a calm after the storm. Jesus is our refuge and our rest. For these reasons, he's worthy of our praise. Always remember that Jesus is present in good and bad times. Always remember that Jesus loves you, that Satan is a liar, and the father of lies, and that even in the midst of a storm, things will get better. He's worthy of our praise. Some of us don't understand the depth of our relationship with Jesus unless we go through adversity. Why do we have to learn that way? Some of us just learn that way. Some of us are hard-headed. Amen? Some of us had to go through hard times to really understand this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. I try not to be hard-headed. Praise is not just for the good times. Praise is an all-time, everyday experience. Remember that your sincere daily prayers are a form of praise because you are humbly recognizing Jesus as Lord. Ecclesiastes 17, or pardon me, 7, verse 14. I'm going to read from the Christian Standard Bible. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other so that no one can discover anything that will come after him. In other words, God does not want you predicting your own future. He wants to keep that mysterious for you. You know why? Because you rely upon him. He brings about good times, joy, and also adversity. He wants to be unpredictable. You don't need to be predicting when God's coming back. You don't need to be predicting anything about your life. You're wasting your time. It's not important. 
The most important thing is that you look to the Lord Jesus Christ and you praise Him. That's what's important. All these guys that come up with these dates. The Lord is coming back such and such a day. The Lord is doing this. The Lord is doing that. They don't know. They have no idea. This is no time to be clever. It's time to be dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Habakkuk. See if we can find Habakkuk real quick. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Habakkuk is a very, very interesting book to read. All I can think of when I look at chapter 3 of Habakkuk is all the devastation that's taken place. Hardly any food anywhere. Can you imagine? Let's say a, a field burns and all the food is gone. There's nothing there. Nothing but twigs. Nothing but devastation. And frankly, when a hurricane passes through, guess what? Nothing but twigs. Nothing but devastation. Sewer lines ripped up. Power's out. Water don't work. Nothing's working right. And you can't get to your house. It doesn't get much worse than that. So look what it says in Habakkuk 3, verses 17 and 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. You know why? Because all that other stuff really don't matter. From an eternal perspective, Jesus has you. You take joy in him. He has you. He's not going to let you go. Don't go by what you see. Go by the unseen. What you see around you looks like garbage. What you see around you may be devastation. You may be going through an emotional roller coaster. But Jesus has you. He's got you. Hold on to him. Don't let him go. Hold on to him. Rejoice in the midst of your trial. God has you in his hand. Amen? Take joy even in your difficulties. He has you for all eternity. Amen? That's a good thing. Praise the Lord. Praise is a prayerful, deep expression of reverence and gratitude to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what praise is. It's prayerful. It's giving of yourself to him. You can do it even when stuff is not working out right. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus 
for you. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. We were reminded that Jesus paid it all on the cross just for you. He did it all for you. Philippians 4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice. You can rejoice in the midst of difficulty. Focus on the Lord Jesus Christ to help you develop that relationship with him. But you really truly can do that. He wants you to do it. He wants you to see him through all the muck and mire. He wants you to see him through all the stuff you're going through. Look to him. Lean on him. He's there with you. Father, we just thank you for how you teach us in your word. For how you encourage us in your word. We thank you for your very presence today. We thank you for the encouragement that you give to us. Lord, there's so much to be thankful for. Even when we appear to not have anything going for us, Lord, you are with us anyway. And Lord, we thank you for that. Bless us and keep us, Lord. Remind us of how good we truly have it, even though we don't seem to have it the way we would like it. Thank you for your eternal promises. Thank you, Lord. We just give you praise and thanks. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.